events, and this is Applying God's Word, a Bible teaching ministry from the Word of God. This is study number 37, titled, The Blessing of God's New Covenant. Now, some may ask what the Old Covenant was. Well, first, the core of the Old Covenant is the Ten Commandments. Reading Exodus 34, verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now reading Deuteronomy 4, verses 13. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. As part of the Old Covenant, the people at Mount Sinai also agreed to obey all the laws in Exodus chapters 20, 21, 22, and 23. These additional laws became part of the covenant God made with Israel, and the covenant was then ratified with blood here in Exodus 24, verses 6 to 8. Moses took half the blood and put it in bowls. The other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. The old covenant included much more than Exodus chapters 20 through 23. Hebrews 9 verse 1 tells us that it also included directions for the tabernacle, instructions for the altar, Levitical priests, and animal sacrifices were given in Exodus chapters 25 through 31. These were part of God's original plan for Israel. He knew very well that the people would sin and would need a tabernacle and regular burnt offerings. The burnt offering was the highest order of animal sacrifice in the Old Testament ritual and was offered in an effort to renew the relationship between holy God and sinful man. It was all part of the plan, part of God's relationship with his people, part of his covenant. The purpose of the law was to define and magnify our sinfulness so that we would be driven to faith in Christ. Let's read Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 through 24. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. There is a second covenant made with the Lord Jesus Christ, and by that covenant made with him on behalf of all his people, it was provided that he should himself perfectly keep the law, 
and also that he should suffer the penalty due from his people for their breaches of the law. And after he did both these things, then all those who were represented in him should live forever. We rejoice to know that Christ has kept the law and paid the penalty that his people had incurred by breaking it. He has rendered both an active and a passive obedience to the law of God. So now, according to the conditions of the new covenant, all those whom he lived and died inherit by divine right all the blessings which Christ, their covenant representative, has procured on their behalf. Let me just recall to you the inspired record of what those blessings are. Ezekiel 36, verses 16 through 27. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. All these are clear, definite, unconditional promises. There is no if or but in the whole quotation. There is nothing to be done on our part in order to win the blessing. No question about it. All that has to be done was done by Christ, our representative, more than 2,000 years ago. The only question which we need to be concerned is are we in him? I know that question can be answered yes by many of us, and I trust that others of us will be able to lay hold on that covenant by the life grip of faith, then they also will be able to say, yes, we are among those over whom Christ is the head and have a share in all the privileges of the covenant into which he entered on our behalf. The first covenant was a covenant of works. Do this and you shall live. That covenant was broken, but the new covenant is a covenant of pure grace. Christ has fulfilled all its conditions on his people's behalf, and therefore all his privileges are theirs. Because he lives, they also shall live. Because he honored and kept the law, because he bore the shame and death on the cross, because he rose again from the dead and ascended to the Father's right hand, where he always lives to carry on his glorious work of intercession. Therefore, all they who are in him shall have their sins forgiven, their natures changed, their hearts renewed, and their whole souls filled with the overflowing grace of God. Yet once more, let me remind you that the standard of this covenant is faith. Under the old covenant, it was and always would have been works. But under the new covenant, it is faith. Do you believe? If so, then you are in Christ, and all the blessings of the covenant of grace are yours. Do you accept Christ to stand as your substitute? Do you lay hold on this covenant and claim an interest in it for your own soul? Do you cast yourself wholly upon him who kept that covenant for you? 
then it is yours and God speaks to you, my believing brother and sister, as though there were no other person in the whole universe, he says to you, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. I will put my law in your mind and write it on your heart and I will give you a new heart and a right spirit. From all your uncleanness, I will cleanse you and you shall be my child and I will be your father and your God. What a covenant of grace this is. This is only a bare outline of its provisions, but I hope this outline will make many of you want to know how you can lay hold upon it for yourselves. If you are not in Christ and would like to be, then pray and ask Jesus to forgive you and turn from all he calls sin and trust in Christ's death as payment for your sins. You will be saved and you will begin to enjoy the blessings and benefits of the new covenant.